0: Remember the 90s, when MTV still meant music television? When people still bought CDs? When legends like Chris Cornell and Dimebag Daryl still rocked the earth? Well, you can go back to those halcyon years regularly with Sounds Like Teen Spirit, the ultimate 90s radio show podcast. On each episode, I review and play from the latest albums by decade-defining artists like Pearl Jam, Megadeth, and Primus, and discuss current developments with those artists. All amid a playlist of '90s and '90s adjacent music, of course. Again, that sounds like Teen Spirit. New episodes premiere Sundays, eight to ten p.m. on eighty-nine point nine KBGA Missoula, and past episodes are archived at kbga.org/teen-spirit. Hot Chili Peppers kicking off this program with Sickamicka Nico of the 1992 soundtrack album for Wayne's World. Welcome to the award-winning Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KPGA Missoula. I'm your decrepit host, Ian. This episode's got music from the likes of Tad, Urge Overkill, Crowded House, KRS-One, Everclear, Fiona Apple, Silverchair, Corrosion of Conformity, Fugazi, and Better Than Ezra. Plus, I'm going to review and play a song a piece from Fishbone's new self titled EP, released on May 26th, the new Foo Fighters album But Here We Are, the new Rancid album Tomorrow Never Comes, and the new Ben Folds album What Matters Most, all released on June 2nd, and the new Queens of the Stone Age album In Times New Roman, released on June 16th. I'll start with the Foo. After the shocking 2022 death of Taylor Hawkins, longtime Foo Fighters drummer and best friend to frontman Dave Grohl, I felt certain that Grohl was initially disinterested in continuing the Foo Fighters. Though the band issued a short statement on the night of Hawkins' death, Grohl personally went silent for months. Of course he needed time to mourn, but once he had it, would he be open to moving forward with the band he and Hawkins helped shape together over 25 years, or would it just be too hard? Admittedly, I didn't doubt for a second that Grohl would want to resume the Foo Fighters eventually, but it would appear that jumping back into it sooner has afforded him some much-needed catharsis, as evidenced by the brand new Foo Fighters album, But Here We Are. Described by its press release as a brutally honest and emotionally raw response to everything Foo Fighters endured over the past year, But Here We Are is effectively a concept album that explores the grieving process. The specter of Taylor Hawkins looms all over the record even before the listener hits play, with the circumstances of its creation being widely known, and its plain white cover with sparse text projecting the equivalent of funeral garb. When Dave Grohl comes into opening track and lead single Rescued with the lines, It came in a flash, it came out of nowhere, it happened so fast, and then it was over, there's no second guessing which event he is referring to. Whenever he is addressing an unnamed person, it's generally safe to assume that he's trying to reach Hawkins through the ether. He never ties his lyrics specifically to Hawkins, though, and there are two good reasons for that. For starters, Hawkins isn't the only person Grohl is mourning on, but here we are. Though this isn't nearly as common of knowledge, Grohl also lost his mother Virginia in 2022, shortly before the first Hawkins tribute concert at London's Wembley Stadium. Thus, the new Foo Fighters album was actually written for both of them. The other good reason for Grohl to keep the lyrics fag was so they could personally resonate with anyone who's lost someone dear to them without warning or closure. Most people already have or will have to undergo a similar experience at some point in their lives, so when they hear Grohl's impassioned last words for his late best friend and mother, they feel not only his losses, but also their own, and all the love, rage, hope, sorrow, and introspection that came with them. And as it turns out, having such a meaningful subject and noble purpose to construct an album around has brought the best out of Grohl, resulting in one of the foo's richest and most satisfying albums to date. As far as its musical direction is concerned, but here we are as quintessential Foo Fighters through and through, though there are definitely shades of its 2021 predecessor, Medicine at Midnight, present throughout the disc. While it actually boasts a pretty dynamic range of moods and tempos, the bulk of the album gravitates towards that comfy, mid-level sweet spot that colors much of the Foo's biggest hits, i.e. times like these and Best of You. However, even if the album is relatively safe compared to the last few Foo Outings, it still hits you with a stunning array of powerful and memorable songs over a beefy 48 minute runtime. Aforementioned Open or Rescued and the album's title track are both shining examples of the kind of medium to heavy rockers the Foo excel at. Nothing at all, in true medicine at midnight fashion, is laid back and poppy for its verses but grows intense and explosive at the chorus. The Glass is a tremendous power ballad carried by the strength of Dave Grohl's voice. Show Me How employs backing vocals from his daughter Violet to mesmerizingly haunting effect. And then there's The Teacher. While most songs on the album could conceivably be addressing either Hawkins or Grohl's mother, The Teacher was unmistakably intended as a tribute to the latter, who worked as a literal teacher in life. At just over ten minutes in length, it's handily the longest Foo Fighters song to date, and it makes those ten minutes feel almost instantaneous, as it artfully phases back and forth between chilling Pink Floydian atmospherics and pure rock and roll mania. In a particularly inspired twist, the song doesn't even take the time to properly end over its ten minutes. The final minute or so finds Grohl repeatedly shouting goodbye, with an escalating sense of desperation as the song begins to swell back up. And then he gets cut off mid-goodbye, and after a beat of silence, the tender acoustic ballad Rest gently kicks in to bring the album to a majestic close. That moment right there is every bit as emotionally stirring as any of the album's lyrics. Clearly, But Here We Are was an immense labor of love for Dave Grohl, and the rest of the band brought their A-game to the fold as well. After all, they lost someone too. While it may not be the hardest Foo Fighters album ever. It is undoubtedly the hardest-hitting and absolutely worthy of all the Grammys it will inevitably be raking in next year. All right, this next song is the title track from "But Here We Are." Enjoy.
1: Save. Shiny little drum.
2: This portion of KBGA is brought to you by Imagination Brewing Company. By supporting over 1,700 community events and its educational center, Imagination Brews handcrafted beer to make a positive impact on Missoula and beyond. For more information about what's on tap, weekly live music offerings, or to reserve the center, call 406-926-1251 or visit imaginationbrewing.com.
3: So sweet.
4: This is Sarah Sandoval. On behalf of Nkusum Language School, you're listening to 89.9 KBGA Missoula.
0: off their 2003 album Think Tank. Blur are currently in the midst of their first tour in eight years, and soon we're going to be getting their first new studio album in just as many. The band's upcoming ninth album is titled The Ballad of Darren and scheduled for release later this month on July 21st. Two singles have been issued thus far from the album. Its lead single, The Narcissist, is a sweet-sounding semi-ballad with elements of indie pop, The second, released just a few days ago, is St. Charles Square, which might be the least radio-friendly single Blur have ever put out. On that one, Graham Coxon plays fuzzy, dissonant notes on a down-tuned guitar, while Damon Albarn sings almost exclusively in his lower register and lets out the occasional howl. It's interesting. More like a Yola Tango deep cut than a Blur single. The band's past three albums were particularly experimental, and these two new singles are wildly different from both each other and most other Blur songs, so I'm very curious to see what kind of album this ends up being. The Ballad of Darren is perhaps the tentpole release of the remaining summer 2023 album slate, at least as far as the whole 90s sphere is concerned, but there are several others lined up over the next few months that merit attention. This coming Friday, July 7th, we'll be getting a new album from English singer-songwriter PJ Harvey, titled I Inside the Old Year Dying, whatever that means. It'll be your first new album in over seven years following 2016's The Hope Sixth Demolition Project. Based on the new album's first two singles, A Child's Question, August, and I Inside the Old Eye Dying, this one purports to be very much in line with the folk rock stylings of Harvey's one-time collaborator-slash-lover Nick Cave. A week after the release of the new Blur album, on July 28th, we'll be seeing one last album from Brad, a Seattle-based band notable for having Pearl Jam's Stone Gossard as their lead guitarist. Titled, In the Moment That You're Born, the album is being issued posthumously and will contain the final vocal recordings of frontman Sean Smith, who passed away in 2019 at the age of 53. If the album's first two singles, the title track and Hey Now What's The Problem, are any indication, this is going to be a particularly grungy outing for Brad, who normally tend to take more after funk and soul despite their city of origin, era, and pedigree. Moving on to August, ministry frontman Al Jorgensen recently suggested that his band's next album will be titled Hopium for the Masses and released on August 4th. Those plans have not been made concrete as of yet, though, and old Uncle Al has a spotty at best track record at hitting his projections, so take that one with a grain of salt, folks. Later in the month, Candlebox will be putting out their final album, titled The Long Goodbye, and scheduled for August 25th. Frontman Kevin Martin is retiring, and though he attests that there's still at least one more album he needs to make, this one will presumably be the last one under the Candlebox name. The band is currently on their Farewell Tour, which is set to continue through most of September, and a lead single from the upcoming album is expected to drop soon. Finally, on September twenty second, just as summer is giving way to fall, Teenage Fan Club will be unleashing their 12th studio album, titled Nothing Lasts Forever. The album's opening track, Foreign Land, was issued as its lead single over a month ago. It's quite catchy. And that's all the ones I've got on my calendar at this time. There are likely some others coming out over the next few months that I'm overlooking or that simply have yet to be unveiled, but whatever happens, you can expect me to review and play from at least the first few of those albums on the next episode of Sounds Like Teen Spirit. Anyway, before Blur, I played Nervous and Weird by Everclear off their 1993 album World of Noise, Fast As You Can by Fiona Apple off her 1999 album When the Pawn, dot dot dot, and Red Eye Angel by Tad off their 1995 album Infrared Riding Hood. Once again, you're listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like this show on Facebook, go to facebook.com SLTS2, and to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org teen-spirit. Alright, next I'm going to review and play a song from the new Rancid album, Tomorrow Never Comes. Over their three-decade-strong career, Rancid have put out two albums that, for my money, are undisputable punk rock classics. 1995's And Out Come The Wolves, a.k.a. the one with their big hits Time Bomb and Ruby Soho, and 2003's Indestructible, a.k.a. the one with their other big hit Fall Back Down. Both are 19-track albums that hover around the 50-minute mark, housing songs that generally feel both more substantial than average and distinct from one another, an all-too-rare feat in punk rock. Those albums truly showcase how great Rancid can be, so it's a shame that the four albums they've released since Indestructible haven't been as memorable. And yes, I am including the band's latest in that count. Rather than the two classic albums I just described, 2023's Tomorrow Never Comes largely takes after Rance's 2000 self-titled, which, though not quite a classic, is still a very fine album that holds its own special place in the band's discography. That album basically eschewed Rancid's tendencies towards ska and pop-punk to instead deliver a hard-hitting album of short, fast street-punk songs, running through 22 of them over the span of roughly 38 minutes. In that same spirit, Tomorrow Never Comes blazes through 16 tracks in under 29 minutes, making it Rancid's shortest album to date, and technically an EP by conventional length standards. No song on the album gets much longer than two and a half minutes, and over half of them fall well beneath the two-minute mark. Now folks, I know I've already done much aching on this show about how I generally have a harder time getting into punk albums because of how repetitive and interchangeable the songs often feel to me at first. So I don't want to rehash that old argument here, except I kind of already did, so just bear with me. Sure, the songs on those albums tend to distinguish themselves to me more on subsequent spins, and the two albums I designated as classics have both been in my life for years and years, whereas Tomorrow Never Comes has only been out for a month thus far. However, I feel like there's more to it than just sheer exposure. You see, both *An Out Come The Wolves and Indestructible were apparent classics to me pretty much right from the get-go. It was love at first listen, if you will, and although the songs on Tomorrow Never Comes have been noticeably growing on me in the short time since the album's release, I can already tell this one is not going to go down with the same hallowed status, or even as a particularly strong Rancid album. That being said, it does deliver at least a handful of new tunes worth seeking out, The album's forceful and relatively lengthy title track was undoubtedly a smart choice to lead off both the album itself and its series of associated singles. New American livens things up with a distinct Dropkick Murphys kind of flavor. Its A Road to Righteousness endears itself with an earworm of a chorus, the soaring anthemic When the Smoke Clears makes for a satisfactory closing track, and Live Forever and Magnificent Rogue both show how Ransom can sometimes thrive at the sub-90 second range. Ultimately though, Tomorrow Never Comes feels like a largely inessential Rancid album and may come up short both figuratively and literally for the more impatient fans who struggle to wait the 6 years between 2017's Troublemaker and this one. However, even though there isn't really anything here that Rancid haven't already done better before, it's still undeniably nice to have them around again. Alright, next I'm going to play the aforementioned Dropkick Murphys-esque number, New American, which was issued as the fourth single from Tomorrow Never Comes on the day of the album's release. Between its memorable guitar riff and Tim Armstrong's ear-catching vocal delivery, I have a hard time imagining anyone listening to the album and not identifying this song as one of its standouts. It also just so happens to be the album's longest cut at 2 minutes and 37 seconds. Well, enjoy!
5: Sure, that's where we met Calico Gem We drank his money in his back Jet As I watched the sun go down The night is Speaker, the punk rock puppet master from the band Green Jello, and you're listening to KBGA, Missoula. Little big, little big, let me
3: in. Yeah.
6: Okay.
4: Now that I'm barren, KBGA is my baby. <laughs> and I'm an overbearing mother. Clean your way. Put your friend's mom on the phone. hard harder. Just like your father. Straighten your back. Those grades on not Ivy like I said keep it locked to 89.9 KBGA Missoula.
0: Overkill with Positive Bleeding, off their 1993 album, Saturation. On this episode of Sounds Like Teen Spirit, we mourn the loss of former Urge Overkill drummer John Rowan, aka Blackie Onassis, who passed away on June 13th at the age of 57. Although his cause of death remains unknown, it's worth noting that he struggled with heroin addiction during his time in the band. Blackie first joined Urge Overkill in early 1991 and recorded on three of their albums, 1991's The Supersonic Storybook, 1993's Saturation, and 1995's Exit the Dragon. This tenure encompassed Urge Overkill's commercial peak. The band are perhaps best known for their 1993 single Sister Havana and their cover of Neil Diamond's Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon which was originally recorded for their 1992 EP Stull, but attained a much wider exposure following its inclusion in the 1994 Quentin Tarantino classic Pulp Fiction and on the accompanying soundtrack album. Urge Overkill initially broke up in 1997, but in 2004, co-founders Nash Cato and Eddie Rosa reformed the band without Blackie, and since then they've put out two more albums. As for Blackie, well, he didn't end up having much of a career after Urge Overkill, He did record the drums for Cato's 2000 solo album, Debutante, but aside from that, and an appearance on the 2016 Joe Ronchetti song, Dead Friends, he was virtually absent from the music world in the 21st century. Along with Blackie, a couple other notable drummers passed away last month. Former Butthole Surfers drummer Teresa Taylor, aka Teresa Nervosa, died on June 18th at the age of 60 due to lung disease. She first disclosed her diagnosis on Facebook in late 2021, saying, I know I smoked like a chimney, and this is to be expected. Teresa Nervosa was a secondary drummer in the Butthole Surfers, and she and primary drummer King Coffee often presented themselves as brother and sister simply because people thought they looked like siblings, but they were not actually related. She served in the band from 1983 to 1985, from 1986 to 1989, and from 2008 to 2009, recording on their first four studio albums. She also had a prominent role in Richard Linklater's 1991 cult film Slacker. Finally, early Megadeth drummer Lee Roch passed away on June 23rd at the age of 58. Roch was the first drummer officially hired by Megadeth following a brief trial period with Dijon Carruthers, but his tenure didn't fare much better, ending within mere months. The only Megadeth recording he was featured on was the 1984 demo Last Rights," which consisted of three songs that would later appear on the band's 1985 debut album Killing Is My Business and Business Is Good. Roch then joined the thrash band Dark Angel, but his time with them proved even shorter and less fruitful as he left by the end of 1984 with no recordings to show for it. In 1986, he joined War God, a new band led by future phantom blue guitarist Michelle Meldrum, but they promptly disbanded after cutting a demo in 1987. Since then, Roch had effectively retired as a musician, though he did occasionally perform on the local level in his native Ohio, particularly for his church. No cause of death for Lee Roch has been given. Anyway, before Urge Overkill, I played Hey Bulldog by Toad the Wet Sprocket off the 1997 soundtrack album for I Know What You Did Last Summer, Get Born Again by Alice in Chains off their 1999 compilation Nothing's Safe, The Best of the Box, and Who's Got the Fire by Corrosion of Conformity off their 2000 album America's Volume Dealer. You're still listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like the show on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash SLTS2. And to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org slash teen-spirit. Alright, next I'm going to review and play a song from the new Queens of the Stone Age album, In Time's New Roman. Well folks, at this point it's official. Queens of the Stone Age are firmly within the protracted album cycle stage of their career. Sure, most bands end up having at least one or two odd periods where unique circumstances get in the way of new music, but generally when a band's star rises to a certain height, their album releases become consistently sporadic going forward. Queens of the Stone Age used to put out new albums every 2-3 to years without fail, but ever since 2007's Era Vulgaris, their average turnaround time has ballooned out to over 5 years. Of course, when fans are made to wait that much longer between albums, the standard they hold them to naturally becomes that much higher. And there's no denying that plenty of AAA bands like Pearl Jam, Metallica, and the Chili Peppers have sometimes buckled under the weight of those lofty expectations. However, thus far, I feel like Queens of the Stone Age have been keeping a cool head under pressure, growing steadily more ambitious, and possessing the vision and follow-through to realize their ambitions. Though their 2013 album, Light Clockwork, is admittedly not one of my favorites, it has proven to be a substantial grower in the decade since its release. On the other hand, 2017's Villains blew me away enough to be named my Album of the Year on Sounds Like Teen Spirit's inaugural AOTY show. In my experience... Any album following up an AOTY contender, let alone winner, is bound to disappoint if it amounts to anything less for its respective year, and so it pleases me to report that 2023's In Times New Roman manages to meet that high bar, delivering another thoroughly robust and satisfying listening experience from Queens of the Stone Age. Musically speaking, the album takes after its 2017 predecessor to at least some extent, Certain tracks, such as Obscenery and Made to Parade, do have an unmistakable villains-esque feel, and although the band didn't bring back Mark Ronson as producer, electing to just do it themselves this time, the production work often approximates Ronson's style. However, In Times New Roman seems less like a follow-up to Villains than it does to Queens of the Stone Age's entire back catalog, with shades of practically all their albums being detectable in the mix. For instance, Paper Machete is a classic sounding Queens rocker that could have easily been featured on Rated R or Songs for the Deaf. Lead single Emotion Sickness feels like a bona fide Era Vulgaris cut, with harsh guitar tones and choppy riffs that belie an alluring chorus you can lose yourself in. Negative Space also recalls Era Vulgaris, but its full bodied guitar and bass combo and relatively measured tempo are more in line with Lullabies to Paralyze. And Carnivore and Sicily both recall light clockwork on account of their dark atmosphere and use of orchestral instruments. Oh, but it's not just the various past iterations of Queens of the Stone Age that In Times New Roman drew inspiration from. Much like villains before it, this album also sometimes channels some of frontman Josh Homme's other projects. Nine-minute closing track straight jacket Fitting meanders along on a thick, dirty, and bluesy groove that feels highly reminiscent of Them Crooked Vultures. Time and Place is akin to a Desert Sessions song, if anything, but it's really kind of its own thing altogether, and What the peepholes Say evokes Eagles of Death Metal with its high energy and danceability. It may just be the catchiest song on the album, which is no small feat amid this particular crop of songs. Ultimately, In Times New Roman is not an album from which you can just cherry-pick the highlights and move on. All ten of its tracks are utterly essential, ranging in quality from solid to show-stopping, and the album as a whole feels sufficiently meaty and reasonably cohesive for how varied it is. Will Queens of the Stone Age be able to claim a second Album of the Year title from Sounds Like Teen Spirit? It's hard to say. Depeche Mode, Iggy Pop, and of course the Foo Fighters have also posted rather strong showings this year. And more importantly, 2023 is only about half over. But make no mistake, Josh Homme and company have most certainly thrown down the gauntlet. Alright, next I'm going to play Time and Place, because there really is nothing else like it in Queens' Ovra, and it needs to be heard by as many people as possible as quickly as possible. Well, enjoy!
5: Is an 80s metal hair band thinks they are. Here I am. Rock you like a hurricane. (laughs) College radio is 89.9 FM.
1: KBGA. Missoula.
7: Like whatever you want Whatever you spend your money on Strong, yo, that's what you want Spend your money on these honeys Yo, if that's what you want Spend your money on attorneys If you're going to court If I look around your neck I can see what you bought What you think, you get respect? No, you taking the short Yo, you need the money Of course, you need it to live Yo, what you put your money on, Chris? Yo, right on my kids
4: M-O-N-E-Y Don't ask why It is the root of all evil, though Very necessary to your livelihood. It's all good when you've got enough. Till enough ain't enough, and you hit upon rough times. You make your money, and I'll make mine. Mine, 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 yeah. We need
7: the. Don't get me wrong, mistaken this song. Like money is not important, yes it is, just be strong It's the reason for the thieving and then that war going on It's the reason that you see seeing all these girls in the thong It's the reason that the radio's on It's the reason that you believe in You gotta work from sun up till dawn It's the cravings that connect you to that money you making Your desire is the fire, got you feeling you slaving Free yourself Money doesn't make you the man Be yourself A man gets his money in grants Okay, I'ma get this money really all day But not to the point where I'm going the wrong way. I'ma put my money down on rides and all that. Hook up the house so me and my spouse can fall back. Invest in my knowledge way beyond college. Write books and fly hooks in my cottage. Cheese, crisp, bling bling it. Yo, please. Money is an energy that gets what I need. I can understand them cats that rap flossing and fronting. It's all good. They from the hood never had nothing. Uh, they just got their money and everything's sunny. Hear what I'm saying? They playing boy and looking for bunnies. Oh. Then we floss what but- we bought, forgetting that sharing is what we've been taught, cause this here getting money
4: is an individual sport, money can get me in, to the same places where years ago my bros and sisters with black skin were confined to the back door and the kitchen, Kitchen, (laughs)
7: Last verse with your cash purse Reaching to your wallet, nothing a lot of that hurts Reps thinking, you're thinking, but can't afford certs Need the dollar and baby hollering, now nah, work I don't know how you gonna get the dough You could become educated, you could become a hoe You could do both, that's like putting butter on toast The bread is the knowledge, butter is what gets you there close Money
4: is funny, how a piece of paper can make or break your very existence Quick as it come, quick as it go, you better know about the ebb and the flow You get money in droves, trick it on cars and blow Throw dollars at black queens, cause for the dough, they'll strip their clothes And for the right amount of money, a king will pimp his queen into being a hoe on a stroll Life will always be hard when you choose to make Money, your God. Out God, 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 God,
1: God. of the s into the S-Tray, out of the S-Tray. Out the s into the s Cheers!
6: Listen, we don't need any fancy, super-duper promo. We don't need any of that. See, here with KBGA, we're just a student-run college radio station, and we play music. It's pretty simple. That's it.
1: Coke
4: is God. And whenever I'm in Missoula, which is always because I'm omnipresent, I listen to all the radio stations at the same time, including KBGA.
6: KBGA Missoula, 89.9. <laughs>
1: See you in me Keep my scars from crying eyes Incapable of ever knowing why Somebody breathe, I gotta have an answer Why am I so fascinated by Bigger pictures, better things But I don't care what you think You'll never understand What the hell did I Do to deserve All of this What the hell did I Do to deserve
0: 1999 self-titled. Well, folks, that first full week of June 2023 was certainly a weird and confusing time to be a Slipknot fan. With the band having issued their latest album, The End So Far, just last fall as their final release on Roadrunner Records, coupled with their intent to move away from the traditional album cycle when launching into the next phase of their career, I think most of us were expecting it to be all quiet on the Slipknot front for at least a little while. And yet, a rapid-fire series of developments with the band, one of them being quite substantial, unfolded before us during that first week of June, and as of press time, they are still without any explanation or logical congruence whatsoever. For starters, on June 7th, the day that Slipknot were set to kick off a short European tour, founding percussionist Sean Clown-Cran announced that he would be sitting out the tour to tend to his wife amid a medical emergency, though he did end up rejoining for a few shows in the middle. So far, pretty clear-cut and Straightforward. Of course, things get a lot more bizarre and nonsensical from here, otherwise I wouldn't be talking about them right now, so buckle up. You see, Clown's announcement wasn't even the biggest blow Slipknot's 2023 European tour would face that day. Also on the 7th, it was separately announced that Slipknot would be parting ways with longtime keyboardist keyboardist-slash-sampler Craig Jones. At the time of his departure, Jones was the second-most tenured member of Slipknot, having joined in 1996, roughly a year before Corey Taylor... So this is kind of a big deal. The band broke the news via some brief, generic, and entirely uninformative statements shared across their various social media platforms, which they then deleted almost immediately, save for the one on the Knotfest Instagram which was probably an oversight. That night, during Slipknot's tour opener in Austria, a new mystery keyboardist with a unique mask made their debut on stage in Jones' spot, and a captionless photo of the new member was posted to the band's social media following the performance. But hang on, folks, it gets even weirder. On June 8th, Slipknot released a new instrumental track titled Death March, which was essentially a reworking of the intro to Adderall, the rather unconventional opening track to 2022's The End So Far. The next day, it was revealed to be a teaser for a surprise new EP titled Adderall, basically just consisting of a few alternate versions of the eponymous track. It was issued under Roadrunner Records, despite the supposed fact that the band's career-spanning contract with Roadrunner ended last year. Again, no explanation has been offered for any of this, so now we're left with nothing but questions. Why is Craig Jones no longer in Slipknot all of a sudden? Who is the band's new keyboardist? Why did they just put out such a random and inessential EP on their former record label, and more importantly, why did they deem it fitting to coincide its release with the departure of their second oldest member? There's no apparent reason or rhyme to this whole chain of events, and the band haven't yet made any attempt to clarify things. Even the notoriously outspoken Corey Taylor has remained tight-lipped on the matter. He did give an interview with Chaos Zine on June 16th where he briefly touched on the new mystery keyboardist, saying it took him a second to kind of find his way, but now he's killing it. He's really, really good, while also referring to him as a total musician. However, he did not take the opportunity to address what happened with Jones. The most sensible rationalization I could come up with for everything is that it's all part of some bizarre viral marketing stunt for which we're still awaiting the payoff, that Jones hasn't actually left Slipknot, and that the new mystery member is really just Jones in disguise. As for what the eventual payoff of the stunt might be? Well, your guess is truly as good as mine or anyone else's. Anyway, before Slipknot, I played Satin Sheets by Silverchair off their 1999 album Neon Ballroom. Everything is Good for You by Crowded House, off their 1996 compilation, Recurring Dream, the very best of Crowded House. Runaway Return by Fugazi, off their 1991 album, Steady Diet of Nothing, and Money by KRS-One featuring MC Light, off his 2008 album, Adventures in MCN. You're still continuing to listen to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like the show on Facebook, go to facebook.com SLTS2, and to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org teen-spirit. All right, next I'm going to review and play a song from the new self-titled Fishbone EP. Fishbone are finally back to making music again. Although the band still haven't released an album since 2006, their latest EP marks their first new music in over nine years following the 2014 EP Intrinsically Intertwined. After such a long gap, and with original keyboardist-slash-trombonist Christopher Dowd back in tow, it seems Fishbone are now aiming to bring their career full circle for a reboot. Their new EP is self-titled just like their 1985 debut EP, and furthermore, its cover art deliberately repurposes that of the band's first release. Its evocation of the past goes beyond cosmetic, though. From a musical standpoint, the EP's five songs are largely emblematic of Fishbone's sound from the mid to late 80s. In other words, bouncy, jubilant, sun-kissed ska, free of the metal influence that began creeping into the band's music in the 90s. Despite the lack of metal guitar on the EP, though, I still detected momentary flashes of Fishbone's first two 90s albums, 1991's The Reality of My Surroundings and 1993's Give a Monkey a Brain and He'll Swear He's the Center of the Universe. At any rate, Fishbone are coming from a refreshingly familiar place with their new self-titled. The EP's centerpiece and lone outlier is Estranged Fruit, a collaboration with NoFX, whose frontman Fat Mike also produced the whole EP. Named after Billie Holiday's provocative 1939 single Strange Fruit, Estranged Fruit adopts a subdued reggae style for its first few minutes, somewhat belying all the unrest in its lyrics about the current state of race relations in America. For its final minute, the song pivots hard into full-on punk rock territory, which is undoubtedly where the NoFX guys come in. It's thoughtful, timely, and incredibly striking, and I really hope Fishbone goes back to that particular well in the future. The remaining four songs on the EP are more uniform in style, but they sound sufficiently distinct from one another, and each one's inclusion ultimately bolsters the EP and helps to make all of its fleeting 16-inch minutes count. Lead single and opener All We Have Is Now is a pretty typical feel-good anthem from Fishbone, with its joyous melody, steady beat, and life-affirming lyrics. I Don't Care is a stellar showcase for returning member Dowd, who sings lead vocals on the track and injects plenty of his signature keys into the mix. Cubicle, also sung by Dowd, is about the monotony of the regular 9-to-5 grind, and it's undoubtedly the fastest song on the EP, save for that final minute of A Strange Fruit. And Wake Up My Child makes for a strong closing track between the urgency in its chorus and that crazy little saxophone solo on its way out the door. Overall, Fishbone's 2023 self-titled EP is an absolute riot that finds the band in vital and stable form. In an ideal world, it will soon pave the way for a new full-length LP of similar quality, Ideally, with Fat Mike once again on board as producer, of course. Alright, after a bit of back and forth over which of the EP songs I was going to showcase, I ultimately landed on Cubicle. Enjoy!
4: T U V X Y Your Z
5: This is Silver Sprocket, host of Something Else, live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. right here on KBGA Missoula 89.9 FM. I feature avant-garde electroacoustic, free jazz, and more creative music every week. You'll get to hear advanced new releases straight from the artists and record labels before anybody else, and extensive interviews with the artists themselves. How about you give Something Else a try, live every Wednesday, from 8 to 10 p.m. on KBGA Missoula, 89.9 FM, and streaming at kbga.org.
6: And the cockatoos She'll pull out your feathers for her brand new hat And when she's done that She'll feed you to her cat So watch watch out, out. Watch out. She ain't out. no, good for, she ain't no good for you Watch out She ain't no good for you Watch out She ain't no good for you
0: Social Distortion with Highway 101, off their 2004 album Sex, Love, and Rock and Roll. Social Distortion frontman Mike Ness has been diagnosed with Stage 1 Tonsil Cancer. Ness disclosed his diagnosis in a statement issued June 7th across his social media channels, also announcing that the band's 2023 summer tour and first new studio album since 2011's Hard Times and Nursery Rhymes would be postponed as he undergoes and recovers from surgery and chemotherapy. As per the statement, Ness alleges to have received the news during the pre-production stage for the new Social Distortion album, adding, I was feeling well enough to continue with recording in the studio up until the very day before surgery. The band and I were so inspired and excited to lay down these tracks, which, by the way, sound fucking awesome. He went on to outline his treatment plan, stating, The recovery from surgery is a day-by-day process, and in three weeks we start radiation, and that should be the last therapy I need. The team of doctors are certain that once finished with this course, I will be able to start the healing and recovery process. We expect a full recovery, enabling me to live a long and productive life. So at least his prognosis is good. Ness concludes by thanking his family, friends, and fans for their support and reassuring them that the delayed album and tour will be delivered in time and exceed all expectations. Folks, I know I have ripped on Mike Ness at least once before on this program for taking what is now 12 years and counting to put out an 8th Social Distortion album, having said in an interview shortly after the last album's release that he had already begun thinking about the next one and didn't want to take 7 years between albums anymore. However, in light of recent developments, I reckon I'm going to have to cut him some slack going forward. For one, Cancer really truly is one of the best possible excuses not to do something, It really doesn't matter what. Also, this is the most forthcoming he's ever been about the new album's progress, and I think that merits appreciation. I wish Mr. Ness a speedy recovery and look forward to hearing that next Social Distortion album whenever it winds up dropping. Anyway, before Social D, I played Ain't No Good by Cake off their 1994 album Motorcade of Generosity, Juicy by Better Than Ezra off their 2005 album Before the Robots, and Various Methods of Escape by Nine Inch Nails off the 2013 album Hesitation Marks. And that about wraps up a garish episode of Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I have been your host, Ian. I'm concluding this one with my review and a song from the new Ben Folds album, What Matters Most. Ben Folds is one artist I think people generally imagine to be a lot more prolific than he actually is. I know I did. In truth, he has only released 10 albums to date across all his projects over roughly three decades. That's not bad, but considering how omnipresent he seems to be in the pop cultural arena and the frequency at which he tours, you'd think he would have more albums to show for it. Before this summer, his most recent album was 2015's So There, a collaboration with the New York-based six-piece chamber ensemble Y Music. However, it had been 15 years since his last proper solo album. The newly released What Matters Most is a Ben Folds solo album in the most literal sense of the term. Past Ben Folds albums often sounded like they could have been recorded by his former band, Ben Folds Five, but on What Matters Most, it really does seem like Folds is almost entirely by his lonesome. The percussion on the album is sparse and sometimes non-existent, and the same also goes for guitar. Most of the time, all you're really getting is Folds singing over his piano keys. However, even though the album isn't as lively or dynamic as you might expect from Ben Folds, his talents as a vocalist, musician, and songwriter ultimately shine through and go a long way towards keeping the listener engaged. Folds has been renowned as an exceptional pianist for his entire career, having shown expert proficiency in multiple distinct styles of piano. On What Matters Most, Folds largely adheres to a more classical style, and although his rock piano is sorely missed, this album's chosen genre of chamber pop lends itself to plenty of lovely and interesting passages. More than anything else, however, What Matters Most is a testament to Folds' natural storytelling abilities. As much as he ever has before, he shows a knack for evoking comical yet relatable scenarios, peppered with cheeky turns of phrase, such as, My mind says no, my body says hell no, from Exhausting Lover, and delivered in a sly and conversational manner that beckons attention. For instance, on the aptly titled Paddleboat Breakup, Folds takes on the role of a scorned lover expressing exasperation over his ex's decision to dump him while they were out on the lake in a paddleboat. In other words, a vehicle that would require them to cooperate to get back to shore. Yet he also projects enough genuine heartache to suggest that he may be speaking from personal experience. On Christine from the 7th grade, Folds laments finding an old crush on social media and seeing that she's devolved into far-right, hate-mongering lunacy, something almost anyone on the other side of the aisle can relate to and on the aforementioned exhausting lover, he humorously recounts an affair he had with a formidable woman he met in a truck stop parking lot, and how immensely he came to regret it from a physical standpoint. Even amid all the wit and charm, though, Folds finds ample opportunity to impart profound wisdom about growing older, dealing with negative thoughts and emotions, and taking stock of, what else, the things that matter most in life. All in all, what matters most is the equivalent of a good late-career Paul McCartney album, and I think it's one the legendary Beatle would be proud to have misattributed to him. I do hope the next Ben Folds album is more of a rocker, though. Alright, I'm closing out this episode with the album's very McCartney-esque third single, Back to Anonymous. It's an interesting meditation on the nature of celebrity inspired by the quarantine months of the COVID 19 pandemic, back when everyone's identity was equally concealed under a mask. Well, toodles. Mm-hmm.
2: It doesn't matter, I can let myself go. No disguises, go for a stroll. It's back to Anonymous. But those years were a big blur, I'm not sure where I have been. A dream of peace back now. Cliché, does it sound so ungrateful when it comes out that way? If so, I only mean to say, thank you for those crazy days. But it's back to Anonymous. That they knew my name It's not at all what I thought that thing would be It was just a small world For a while Is life better now? Well, that depends on how I'm feeling about It's not so much that I wanted out I really didn't have Say and it's a big world with unfamous people who deserve the grand applause, and they quietly carry on. Like to think that I could be that strong, daydreaming on the bus. That's all. Back to Anonymous Comfortable clothes. The neighbors, they don't wink like they know. But back when they'd say, Savor this moment, it's your time, seize the day. But I couldn't stay awake, and I didn't feel things. Reminds me when I start to think. I might throw my head back in the ring.